Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 72. Keep it small, break it down into that little micro routine. What is that one thing that I can do? Because oftentimes you'll find it's that launch, right? I just need to launch into the thing. And maybe after five minutes, you do go ahead and continue and begin again. Yeah. When things don't work anymore, it's not because it failed. It just means that they stopped working. Those are important things to keep in mind. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk. I am Yakini. Organization. This has always been my kryptonite when it came to things. My car had always been a mess. My room had been a mess. I would lose things. And actually, I didn't get better until I actually had children. Well, I still lose things because my kids laugh at me all of the time. (laughs) But, you know, funny thing is, is that I could actually organize events with my eyes closed. And that I never understood as why I couldn't organize things, but I could organize events. Today, I am going to be talking to Lisa about why we with ADHD just in general have trouble with organization and why are we good at some things and not others? All right, Lisa, welcome. Hi, Akini. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited for you to be here. So tell the audience a little bit about you. Okay, so I am 48 years old and I am a mom of two teens slash tweens. I've got a 12-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. And the apple did not fall far from the tree on either of them. So we have three ADHDers in our family and a neurotypical husband. It has to be fun for him. <laughs> so, right. I know my son the other day just said, you know, dad's the only one in the house that doesn't have ADHD. Yeah. We think maybe the dogs too. <laughs> So life is lively, but I actually was not diagnosed until I was 40 years old and had no idea that I had ADHD as many women who are late diagnosed experienced. And, you know, I actually always did really well in school and I kind of have always appreciated that I didn't have the diagnosis until later, which I know is kind of a unique perspective, but I feel like there, I would have doubted some of the things that I challenged myself to do. Mm, And I was actually always one that did like math. And I know that that's not everyone's um, forte, but I pursued an engineering degree and I have an architectural engineering degree and a 15 year career in architectural lighting design. Everything's always taken me longer. You know, it took me longer to get through the engineering program. It took me longer to do projects. It's, you know, that's always been the case, but I was, you know, hundred percent capable of, of doing that. And so that's kind of my background. And I, I had a, um, like I said, 15 year career in lighting design and owned my own business for a bit before I started running, um, kids around to two different schools and realizing that my time was now dedicated to, um, being the taxi still is now with one in junior high and one in high school. And so I committed then to staying home with the kids. And how I kind of got into this organizing thing was 
my housekeeper was here and seeing all of the things that I have kind of, you know, put in place for myself to cope with my own ADHD. She said, you know, people pay for this kind of stuff. And I thought, "Hmm, I've never really thought of that before, you know? And so I started pursuing professional organizing Nice. and then COVID hit. Right. And so I knew I wasn't going to be able to actually go into people's homes to help them organize. And I kind of had to shift gears to servicing people online. And still, you know, again, I was kind of just ignoring the ADHD piece of this because I thought organizing is organizing. Right. And whoa, is it not? You know, and I realized in talking to other neurotypical moms, I have this favorite story. One of my girlfriends, she's like, I'm going to take advantage of COVID and I'm going to get my house organized. I was like, good for you. That's great. Two weeks later, she's like, it took me two weeks to get my whole house organized. And I was like, you organized your entire house in two weeks? That is awesome. <laughs> like, how? Like, I don't, oh, I just went through this closet and got rid of the sheets. And then I got rid of the towels. And then I did this and I did that. And I just, I was completely gobsmacked. And I was like, that is just not how my brain works. You know, it took me two weeks to get through organizing the, just the closet, right? And so as I started kind of exploring my ideal client, my ideal audience, I realized that that women with ADHD and moms with ADHD in particular who were trying to juggle, you know, the lives of multiple people really needed a different um, approach. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I, you know, found my, my way into this. And of course, for my own, you know, building my own organization skills, you know, I had done a ton of research and, you know, I knew that what I was learning could help anyone, but it was really necessary for people with ADHD. And I heard somebody say, one of our fellow ADHDers, and I can't remember which expert it was, but um, referring specifically to, to children with ADHD, that the skills that needed to be taught were good for any child. They were essential for some. And that really resonated with me. And that's really kind of how I think of, you know, what I'm providing for my people is that, yes, there are some organization skills that these kinds of things would work for anyone, but they really are critical for, you know, us kind of surviving on a day-to-day basis to have kind of this baseline of, of organization. So I love that. Well, that's what I got here. That is really cool. So just to kind of start people off, sometimes I just like the definition of things because we just have so many things in our head of what something means. What is being organized or what is organization? That is such a good question. And I think it's one that I grapple with myself a lot because what what I've come to, and this could change over time, organization is a feeling. And I have been at times more physically organized in my spaces than others. But I know that if my brain is feeling chaotic and disorganized, it doesn't matter what this external appearance is. And so that's when I really started refocusing more on how do we actually organize our brains so that we can move into organizing our external spaces. So that's really the first that's the first step. I believe organization is a skill. I believe it can be learned by anyone, even those of us who have, you know, challenges in that area. Once the skills are learned, I mean, not very many people are born just organized. Uh, my mom was, <laughs> thank goodness, honestly, because I grew up in a house that was very 
structured and it was very quiet and things were very tidy. And I had no idea until my diagnosis what a blessing that was as a child, because I could sort of be the whirling dervish, you know, in the house, but everything else kind of, you know, had this calm baseline, you know, and, you know, that was, that was really helpful for me. So I think organization means lots of things to different people, but for me, it's really about starting with organizing your brain and um, being able to rely on external brains, having a second brain that you can count on so that you don't have to rely so much on your own brain for holding information. Because all brains, neurotypical brains, all brains, they're meant to generate ideas, to invent, to create, you know, to engage. They're not meant to keep running lists of things to do and, you know, steps to follow and reminders to give the kids, you know, all of that, as much as we can externalize that and put it into some sort of automation, whether that is a physical list on the wall, a sticky note that gets moved or a reminder on an app or a, you know, a box. I I use the Sunday basket, which, you know, I'll share with you guys, but free your brain to do what it actually really is best at doing. So that's how I feel about organization. I really like that. And I just think about all the times and we talk about this with in our community, you know, with pretty much anything is when we have so much that is going on, especially in our brain, when we're cluttered, we're almost paralyzed. It just paralyzes us, right? We don't even get started or start organizing anything. Everything just looks like it is like a mountain. (laughs) We just can't do anything. So I like that talking about, yes, you've got to, you know, organize that brain first or start there before you can do things. So let me ask you, you touched on it a little bit. Yes, it is important for everyone. Yes, it is important for everyone to learn how to be organized. But why is this so important for our community, our children? I mean, why is it so important to have those skills? I think because without them, it feels like we're reinventing the wheel every single day when we wake up. Mm. You know, I remember one time I was you know, this was before my diagnosis and I was making out these lists, you know, especially post-children because, right, everything's, you know, just becomes uh, exponentially more steps and harder. And I have this list of things to do and I had brushed my teeth on the list. And I had my husband looked at it and he laughed and he said, why in the world do you have brushed your teeth on the list? And I said, you don't understand. If I don't put that on the list. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Or if I don't put it on the list, I'm going to be spending time doing that thing And then upset because it displaced something else. Like I need to know where it fits in this whole picture. And he just didn't understand that at all. So I think for us, it's what may be typical automation or habit building for neurotypical brain is not, it just doesn't become second nature for us quickly. You know, we just have to kind of rely on those external sources. I do not want to have to walk into a room and think about how I need to pick it up every single time I walk in the room. I follow and my kids follow. And I got this from Organize 365, which is one of my favorite resources for organization. And we follow the exact same steps every time we walk into a room to clean it up. The first is trash. The second is dishes and food. The third is, you know, clothes or towels, you know, depending on what room you're in, living room, fold up the blankets, and then the surfaces. And we do the same steps every single time. So if I don't do that, I will walk into my bedroom and go, oh, look at that, you know, corner over there. I definitely need to clean out that thing that nobody ever even sees. And three hours later, I've made a bigger mess and I, you know, haven't achieved anything that I had wanted to achieve. So, you know, I think that's it. It's really just 
externalizing those steps and doing them in a way that you can repeat every single day is just something that we need to have. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people take that first step? So like I said, you know, we tend to get paralyzed. How do we take that first step in getting our mind organized? Okay. The first step is to collect it, right? We've got to collect all of the external stuff. The first thing that I do is collect all the papers from the house because that's easy and it's visible. Collect all the papers, anything that's incoming, mail, flyers, um, you know, all of your desk paperwork and everything. And I want you to grab two, two baskets, gather all of that stuff, do a quick brain dump of what's going on in your mind right now that you feel like you can't get started on. I need to, you know, um, sign the kids up for camp. I need to take the car to get washed. All of these things that are, you know, the popcorn floating around in your brain. And I take individual index cards, three by five index cards, and put just one item on each of those cards. Each one of those is an actionable item. And because so much of our, you know, paper and things get mixed in, a lot of it's irrelevant. So we want to get all the trash out, anything that's archivable out so that we're left only with those actionable things. And then I use what's called the Sunday basket. This is from Organize 365 and I'm a certified Sunday basket organizer. I've been using it for three years. Absolutely love it as a tool for our ADHD brains, but basically it becomes the holder of all of those actionable to-dos, you don't have to keep them in your brain. But what I do is I rely on a weekly routine. Every single Sunday, I go through that basket and ask one question, one essential question. Can it wait till Sunday? Mm. And if it can, it goes back in the basket. If it can't, it goes on the list for this week. Okay. So it's like this physical sort of um, funneling down of all of those things that are coming at us so that we don't have to, you know, I used to make spreadsheets where I would have the master to-do list, right? Of all of the millions of different things and all of these different categories. And I would have a rating system and sort it and all of that. And that's the engineer side. So much fun to make spreadsheets, right? Color code, sort, you know, and now I just have this, you know, physical thing and I think that it, that appeals to our ADHD brains too, is to have a physical representation of what it is that we need to do. So I even print out emails that require some sort of action from me. Okay. If I get an email from you know the school with the dates that are coming up or whatever, I print that out and I put it into you know the pocket that is calendar related things. And so I go through this every week, and it allows me to you know truly prioritize what needs to be done. And in the first, you know, six weeks of going through this process, you're really taking care of those things that are absolutely critical, Mm -hmm. right? So that you're no longer living in this crisis mode. Bills are getting paid. You're not paying late fees. You're remembering, you know, you've got the birthday party covered, all of those different things. And then as you start getting through the backlog, then you can actually start moving into more proactive work and taking on, you know, the bigger projects for your home or your business. And, um, I have found that just to be tremendously helpful because it, it doesn't require you to actually sit down and think, where do I begin? It gives you a system of getting it all into one place. And then asking that one essential question to kind of funnel out what is really the most critical thing. Cause I can think about what needs to happen between now and next Sunday. I can't think about, you know, we need to, you know, buy the car at some point in the near future. We need to remodel the kitchen at some point in the near future. Like I need to know what needs to be done now. So that's, you know, one of the main tools that I use. Another one is pattern planning. And, you know, that's, you know, really understanding 
what the structure of your days and your week looks like mm-hmm. so that you know when you can actually take care of the things that you need to take care of. So, you know, I have this uncanny ability to wake up in the morning and go, oh, the kids are at school until 2.45. I have all day to do whatever I need to do. I think I need to go to Target and pick up something or five things and spend, you know, a couple hours there dreaming about, you know, whatever uh, I want to create. And instead of actually, you know, sitting down on a, you know, I kind of do it on a seasonal basis, you know, depending on what the kids' activities are and such, you know, definitely summer looks different than the school year. And if there are changes in sports and activities, then, you know, my drive times shift and that kind of thing. So I would say, you know, at least seasonally, but at least, but usually once a month, I sit down and map out what a typical week looks like. My wake times, my sleep times, my meal times, because how often do we forget to eat lunch? Mm -hmm. I have planned downtime for myself because I know about three o'clock every single day that I need to completely, you know, check out and go into my little hidey hole and Mm -hmm. recuperate. And sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. So we do, yeah, we do uh, sleep and wake times to guarantee that I'm actually getting enough rest, right? Because I can be very overambitious about what I can complete in a day. And, And then any appointments, regular appointments that I have, and then making sure that I get my exercise classes in. So once I block all of that time out, then I can actually see where are those white spaces in my day mm-hmm. that I can actually handle some of these things. Or I can actually start moving the needle forward on my life, my business, my home, my you know family or whatever you know needs attending to. But without sort of a realistic picture, and I really like you know having this visual picture of what that you know the map of the week looks like a typical week you know, we could just start going off in a million different directions. So that helps me really break things down into little chunks rather than Mm -hmm. seeing the week or the day is just completely, you know, wide open. Yeah. It's really interesting. And it's so funny because like I said, a lot of those things are engineer brain ways, (laughs) you know, it, it really is. It's a structure that you have placed or put together. Yes. You're using a you said uh, Sunday 360, what is it called? So Organized 365, Organized 365. is the company okay. and the product is the Sunday basket. Okay. So Sunday basket. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using something to help you along, but it's so funny how you put that together because that is an engineer way of thinking. My question is when people get off track, right? I was talking to somebody about exercise and there is a... 21 day program that you can take when I am on Monday and I skip Tuesday and they, and I should be on, yes. you know, it's yes. like, Oh my gosh, I just failed it. Yes. <laughs> I want to yes, stop yes, and yes, start yes, over yes, from yes. the beginning. Yes. So organization, yes. when people get off track, how do they come back? <laughs> my favorite saying is begin again. I know that's a lot easier said than done, but I think that consistency is overrated I think consistency is not an expectation that we necessarily need to have for ourselves. People with ADHD are very persistent. So I like to rely more on my ability to be persistent than my ability to be consistent. When a system stops working, Uh uh not fails, but stops working, a lot of times there's a reason. Sometimes there's not. But a lot of times if we look, we go, oh, I got sick. Oh, I went on vacation or some sort of little disruption. Sometimes it was big. Sometimes it was little, the time changed, you know, and we go, oh, wait, I need to actually, you know, kind of shift things around my circ- to match up with my circadian rhythms. If we don't kind of pause to kind of see what happened, why, why did that get derailed? 
okay, noted. And I have a don't forget to remember file for myself for these kinds of things, Uh because sometimes Uh I do. And I just kind of look through it once in a while is to just begin again. I have used a a planner that I have gone back to over and over again through the years. Somebody's going to ask what it is. And I'm trying to remember (laughs) planner pads. Okay. It's been around forever. Okay. It's the same kind of system, like a funneling down. There's something about that funneling down that is really nice for our brains because it allows us to rely on the structure to make the decisions rather than our brains to try to make those decisions. Well, for whatever reason, over the years, it stopped working. I keep going back to it. I'm like, that one's still the best. That was still the best for me. Mm. And it's just, I think, recognizing that things work until they don't, period. And it's really, it doesn't mean that it failed. It just means that it stopped working, you know? And so we go give it another go. I was going to yoga four times a week last month. This month, I haven't gone much at all. Mm-hmm. Did it fail? No, just need to begin again, mm-hmm. you know? So I think just kind of reframing what that means, because it's very easy for us, you know, for the shame gremlins to come up and, right. and you know, say, well, everybody else can use this system. Or I spent this much money on this system and look, it didn't work again. So nothing can work for me. Right. Did we give it enough time? Do we just need to start again, you know? I really like that. I really like that. And it's something, so to your point, that's one of the things I try to teach my children is I get bored very quickly. I change Uh systems very quickly. Exercise, to your point, I do yoga one time and then three months later I'll stop. And then five months later I'll do like hardcore exercise. I mean, I just, and you know, I just get bored and change up things. I am the same way when it comes to planning. Sometimes I write lists. Sometimes I put it in my planner. So, you know, it's just whatever works at that time. But one thing I try to be consistent in is doing something to keep myself organized because if I let it completely go, I will literally be all over the place. So that's what I try to teach them the same way. It's if something's not working for you right now, try something else, or like you said, come back to it later, you know, but try to just be consistent in doing something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I like to rely on micro routines. So what is the absolute minimum that I can do that is not overwhelming, but that moves the needle forward. So Mm -hmm. if you go tell me to clean my room when I'm seven years old or I'm 48, I will be equally overwhelmed because I don't know. It it looks like it's going to take two hours. I don't have two hours. So I, right, I'm done. One of my other favorite resources, Dana K. White, she wrote a book called How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. Uh It is wonderful. And what one of the tips or tricks she has is the five minute pickup. It is amazing what you can get done in five minutes. Yes. Yep. And <laughs> take a picture before and a picture after, because a lot of times we get caught up on our brains about like, this is going to take way too long. I can't do it. Paralysis, right? We can, we just fall back into this paralysis over and over again. So I'm going to just set a timer for five minutes and I'm going to pick up. If you do that every day or every other day, even, you can kind of keep the chaos at bay. It's amazing. She's also a huge proponent of doing the dishes every day. Just the dishes, not clean the kitchen, just doing the dishes. I love the dishwasher, love the dishwasher. You know, some of these sort of very simple things that we can do in a you know, fairly negligible amount of time so we don't get into that argument with ourselves about whether or not we have time to do this big project. If you can kind of commit to, it's easier to commit to five minutes every day than it is to commit to 
picking up your house every day, right? This sounds completely very different. Five minute pickup? Yeah, I can do pick up my house. So how can we break it down to that point where it is completely, you know, a really easy thing for us to do? Do it with my kids. Can't clean up my room. Okay, could you pick up one piece of trash? Well, yeah, of course you can pick up one piece of trash. Okay, so we've broken it down to something that's manageable and then we can kind of build back up. So, you know, what are those things? Can you walk into a room and set a timer for five minutes and just do something? right? Just organize one area. I did it yesterday with my desk. The rest of my office is kind of a mess. I did it with my desk. I was like, ah, I can exhale. I can breathe. I can be here. You know? And I love that, Lisa. I love that. And you know, it's it's funny because that's what I do when I get up in the morning. I just have this, like, how do you call it? It's not, it's not fresh. It's like, uh, you're just ready to go. It's just, oh, burst of energy. Right. So sometimes when I, you know, get up from a nap or when I get up first thing in the morning, it is like me doing that five minutes. I can pick up stuff really quickly and, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of organize certain things and then I'm ready to go. Right. So that is a really good idea. I didn't even think about doing that with my kids and putting a timer to it. That is a really good idea. I would think about that. Yeah. And you don't go over, you don't, you know, there's still 20 things that need to be picked up. That's okay. It'll get picked up tomorrow, whatever, but just, you know, kind of starting that, that habit, you know, it just feels really manageable. I think family can get on board with, you know, and I can do it for myself. You know, if I'm feeling overwhelmed in a space that I need to work in or whatever, I'll just set that timer for five minutes and just see what I can get done. And of course, it also appeals to, you know, our fun, interesting gamify, you know, our tendency to want to gamify things, especially if you take that before and after picture, mm-hmm. you want that five minutes to be well spent. You know, you're like, I really want a good after picture <laughs> and it really helps. And it's fun to show the kids like, look what you did in five minutes. This is, you know, what you were able to do. So it's not this big overwhelming thing after all. Um, so is there any other resources? You mentioned a couple, so you had your Sunday basket, is there any other resources that you can share with the audience in terms of how can they better organize? Okay. Well, I'm one. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, and my uh, website is ordered organizing and that's where I have my um, workshops that I do for the Sunny basket. And I'm actually getting ready to start a co-working club just for moms with ADHD to go through this process every Sunday. It's about an hour and a half. I'm telling you, it will save you five to 10 hours in the week if you just, you know, do this Uh bit of going through and figuring out what is the priority for that week. The two books from Dana K. White, she does not have an official diagnosis, but she's definitely a a sister. And a lot of people have told her that you're an ADHD sister. (laughs) And she has two books. One's called How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. And that's where I got the do the dishes every day and the five minute pickup. Uh And then decluttering at the speed of life. Now, this is something that I'm always kind of, uh, that's my big Achilles heel is actually getting rid of the stuff because I like things. Uh I like, you know, I have a designer. I like objects. I like color. I like texture. And I, you know, I really enjoy my stuff, but it's easy to have too much of it. So that's something that, you know, I'm always working on, but I love both of these books, really easy reads. She also has a um, podcast called A Slob Comes Clean, which I think is wonderful. And Organized 365 also has a podcast. It's just the Organized 365 podcast. And I recommend with both of those, going back to the beginning of their episodes, because they do address more, um, you know, step-by-step, you know, how do I actually get my spaces organized? And I really appreciate having that information. And I, 
you know, I like to borrow inspiration from those podcasts and pop them on when I'm actually cleaning a space, you know? So those are, those are two of my favorites. This is uh, ADHD friendly ways to organize your life. And this is by Judith Kohlberg and Kathleen Nadal or Nado. I'm not sure you say that, but if you're just, you know, looking for a lot of different, you know, ideas on how to, you know, organize for your brain, I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, things from this. One was, you know, creating a launch pad for yourself. So mm. everything that you need to get out the door at the beginning of the day is in, you know, one place, your keys, your purse, your planner, you know, whatever it is that you need to take out the door in the morning. And I can't remember if it was from this book or not, but one of my favorite sort of space organizing tools is utilizing vertical space. You know, those shoe organizers yeah. that have yep. the clear pockets. Yep. This was a game changer for me in my bathroom. I hung one over the bathroom door Mm -hmm. and I lay out my morning, basically my morning, you know, getting ready routine in order. So I've got my, you know, makeup, do my face, do my cheeks, do my eyes. I mean, seriously, that kind of, you know, each pocket has got that item in it. And I've got the, you know, the hairspray and the styling stuff and the hair ties and the brush the deodorant. So like everything is just right there. And I literally just, yeah, no, that was yeah. that's really <laughs> awesome. Those are really good resources. So one thing I forgot to ask you is why are we sometimes really good at doing one thing and not something else? Like why does our brain work that way? So, you know, if I can organize the event, why can't I organize the rest of my life? Why does our brain work that way? You know, that's a question I grapple with as well. I can organize other people's houses much easier than I can organize mine, you know? And I think that it has a lot to do with, we understand processes and the steps that need to be taken in order to get there. I think when it comes to our own stuff, we have got all of the self-doubt that pops up, all of the, the, you know, judgment about what we should be able to do, what are the unmet dreams you know, that are hanging over our heads because we couldn't, you know, do this, what should be a simple task. Right. All of those things, I think, get in the way in our bodies and create these emotions and cause us that paralysis and that shutdown. Mm -hmm. When we shut down and nothing's happening, then nothing's happening, right? But yeah, give me an event to plan, give me a deadline, give me a job, give me somebody else that I need to answer to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something else. You know, we have a really hard time holding ourselves accountable. Right which is why, you know, body doubling and, you know, that kind of thing works so well. Little ADHD tangent. I was far more productive during COVID because my family was here Mm, because my husband was working in our bedroom. I was working in my office. My kids were doing their schoolwork and everybody was doing their thing. I couldn't just go get back into bed or you know, I was just much less likely to turn on the TV. It was like, okay, you're doing your, your thing. And I, so thus I must do my thing, right. you know, right. and it's hard. It's hard for us to hold ourselves accountable, you know, because we go to, you know, we want to go to that dopamine hit or, you know, whatever. And uh, it's real easy for us to get off track when we're not being held accountable by something or someone else. So I think that's why it's easier to do it for other people. Yeah. That makes for sense. a job or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Perfect sense. Okay. If people have any more questions for you, can you mention your website again and any other way that they can get a hold of you? Yes. I think three primary ways. So my website, which is orderedorganizing.com. My um, Instagram is 
also at Ordered Organizing. And then I have a free Facebook group that is Organizing Life for Moms with ADHD, where we just share ideas and thoughts on how to get and stay more organized. Awesome. Any closing comments, any last minute tips that you want to share with the audience? See, I think keep it small, break it down into that little micro routine. What is that one thing that I can do? Because oftentimes you'll find it's that launch, right? I just need to launch into the thing. And maybe after five minutes, you do go ahead and continue and begin again. Uh, Yeah. When things don't work anymore. It's not because it failed. It just means that they stopped working. And those are important things to keep in mind. I love that. Melissa, thank you. This was really, really good. So thank you for coming on. This is great. All right, everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.